This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. One day, Master Nankaku came upon his student Basso sitting outside the monastery garden. Nankaku goes up to him and asks, What are you doing? Basso says, I'm studying Zazen in order to become a Buddha. Nankaku picks up a broken piece of roof tile lying around, sits down next to him, starts polishing it with a stone. Also sort of looks over. What are you doing, teacher? Nankaku says, I'm polishing the tile in order to make it into a mirror. Also asks, how can you make a mirror by polishing the tile? Nankaku asks him in turn, how can you become a Buddha by practicing Zazen? this story uh, in the Mumon Khan as part of the background of uh, the case of Basso later teaching when he says this very mind is Buddha this is case 30 in Mumon Khan but Dungan uh, has an extensive commentary on it, uh, the Shiva Genzo in the lecture called uh, Zazenshin, Admonitions for Zazen. And I want to refer to his uh, commentaries today. Because I think this story is one that we can go back to over and over again and used to examine our own ideas of what we think we're doing when we sit Zazen. Adogan has some uh, very strong opinions about Zazen is taught and practiced in his time and felt that true practice was rarely taught, rarely encountered. And he uses this case as a way to be clear about some uh, what he thinks are the pitfalls that 
he encountered in, in his own training in China. Uh, and in this, he gives a couple very clear statements about what Zazen is not. For instance, he says, in recent years, foolish people say, the practice of Zazen is to keep our minds free of thoughts. Once that is accomplished, we've attained the highest state. many pass their entire lives in monasteries without once practicing true zazen. Their zazen is not really their own, nor does their practice enable them to see their true nature. This type of zazen does not mean they dislike their own bodies and mind, and it does not mean they have no intention of practicing zazen. They're simply in a stupor the writings of these practitioners merely repeat the mechanics of zazen, that is, quiet the breath and calm the mind. Their method remains at the lowest level of observation, repetition, absorption, and practice. Their understanding is quite rudimentary. dialogue between Nangaku and Basho, uh, it continues, and uh, when Ga Nangaku says, how can you become a Buddha by practicing Zazen, Basho is simply speechless and doesn't know how to respond. Next thing Nangaku says to him, if a cart doesn't move, you, you can whip either the cart or the ox. So it's a metaphor here of what, what is the right effort? Where do we apply ourselves? What does it mean to whip the cart or whip the ox? Uh, clearly there's an idea here that we can go about this in entirely the wrong way. Now, Dogen helpfully provides an alternative dialogue to explain what we should be doing. After great master Yakusan finished a period of Zazen, a monk asked, what do you think about while you sit so intensely? The master said, I think not thinking. The monk asked, how can you think not thinking? The master replied, non-thinking. Now Dogen, uh, of course, thinks this is self-evident, what this means. But um, it's interesting, a little bit of what he adds as commentary to it. 
use of the expression non-thinking is clear, to think non-thinking one must always use non-thinking. Now th this is the next sentence that I think is interesting. Yeah. There is a who in non-thinking, a who that maintains the self. Even though I sit intensely, there is not just thinking, but total involvement in intense sitting. So I think that is actually gives us uh, a better clue about how he sees the intense sitting of Zazen as qualitatively different from the stupor that ordinary monks sit in when what they think they're doing is quieting the mind and clearing it of thought. See, there's nothing in Dogen about simple practices like following the breath, uh, let alone counting the breath. It's not about focusing or concentrating on generating any one state at all. What he wants is whole body, whole mind sitting. And in the paradoxical language it's employed, I think that he calls sitting with your whole body and mind dropping off body and mind. See, if you drop off body and mind, it, it means these things must have been in some way to you something you held or carried or had in some degree separate. If you can drop it, it's separate from you. But the alternative to that is wholehearted non-separation with the whole of your body and mind. Completely, intensely occupying this breath, this posture, this way of being. Now we have to examine very carefully, and I think psychologically, our own answers to what are you doing when you said Zazen? say that the stupor school is trying to in some way banish some aspect of mind or emotion that they think in a way, you know, implicitly or explicitly is a contaminant. The dust on the mirror, the, the defilement. There's a way in which thought and emotion become synonymous with attachment and ego desire. And it's as if practice is intended to wipe away all these parts of ourself, perhaps ourself entirely, that in some way is 
clouding over our Buddha nature. However, we imagine that, and usually we imagine it in very idealized terms. And I think we have to, particularly in Sashin, in the beginning of Sashin, pay close attention to what implicitly we think we are going to wipe away or what we're going to intensely embody when we sit here. And it's very rare that we do not harbor some curative fantasy of banishing once and for all the thoughts that trouble us, the emotions that trouble us, the pain that intrudes. We all have our own version of that. But Dogen is trying to uh, speak out very strongly against the uh, lobotomy model of Zazen. Right? That we're going to cut out the part of the mind that is giving us trouble. It's not what this is about. The expression uh, Nangako uses, you can either whip the cart or whip the ox. It's curious. Certainly, it would seem that the most uh, advantageous thing is to whip the ox. That's the one that's going to do something. But what, what exactly is the ox? And what exactly is the cart in our practice? See, we, what kind of effort are we supposed to be making? What's the role of effort at all? translator of Japanese and uh, Chinese uh, poetry. Uh, but he was very critical of uh, most of the uh, Zen students that he encountered in his day. He was uh, one of the mentors of the Beat Generation, a father figure to folks like Gary Snyder and Philip Whalen and Allen Ginsberg. But uh, he said most uh, Zen students uh, sit there straining after Satori like old men trying to pass a stool. <laughs> so there's a way in which we can make very intense effort, but it can be uh, effort pointed in the wrong direction. that effort is an effort at extirpation. If it's an effort at trying to squeeze out the parts of our self we don't want to be in our consciousness, then we really are sort of treating, you know, parts of our mind and our emotion like shit that we're just trying to expel and squeeze out and get rid of, flush away, right? It's a funny metaphor, but I think a lot of people practice just like that. 
could say that the cart, whipping the cart, uh, perhaps that as an inanimate object can represent lifeless form. And whipping the cart, uh, one way can be putting all your effort, all your energy into the form of practice, into ritual, uh, into getting it right or wrong, to becoming a model of posture and formality and ritual. Right? It takes a lot of effort to master some of these esoteric forms. And as I said in my opening remarks, it's important at one level we pay attention to the things that we can do well or badly, things we can get right or wrong. We need to try to get them right. But if we think that our practice is going to be just a matter of finally getting them right, of finally being beyond reproach, you know, finally getting to that point where we're not always self-conscious about, did I just screw that up? Well, that's, that's a dead end. But it's equally a dead end if you think, oh, that's just empty, and I don't need to bother with the form. If I can, you know, I, I, I know that this stuff is really about something higher, you know. It's not just about learning the rules and following them. I'm not going to bother myself with that stuff. That's empty. Uh, it doesn't work either. To me, that's like having a body with no bones in it. Right? There's nothing that's going to hold it up, nothing to allow it to stand or sit straight or function. You need the, the structure to make it work. And I think that's very true in Sashin. We need the structure and formality to make it work. We need the cart behind the ox if we're actually going to carry anything. Dogen, of course, is a great believer in the use of form in every aspect of daily life to allow us to actualize our zazen in every nook and cranny of daily life. What carries this mind into our daily life. So if we're going to whip the ox, and the ox, uh, I think he is not just a dumb beast, the ox is also, you know, like the ox of the ox herding pictures, uh, a symbol of enlightenment. So we need to try to understand what is the right effort to make? And it's not that the practice does not require effort. See, Nangaku is 
criticizing Basso for having a kind of means to an end notion of his Zazen. I'm going to do Zazen in order to become a Buddha. Uh, how far along are you? About halfway yet? Three quarters? There are no steps to becoming a Buddha. See, it's true that we practice Zazen in order to become a Buddha. But when we practice Zazen, we become a Buddha instantaneously, not as a matter of incremental progress over time. When we sit Zazen intensely, when we fully are body, mind, breath, thought, self, we're fully who we are, which is all what Buddha can be. And it's not not really a matter of progress. It's a matter of really being what you already are. Tobin has a interesting analogy. He says this in relation to uh, the question of becoming Buddha. It is like two close friends meeting each other. The fact that he is my close friend makes him my close friend. It's a curious thing to say, right? But one of the things you might say is that when I meet my close friend, we don't have to get acquainted, make some small talk, try to figure out what we have in common, reminisce, and and then become friends all over again. The idea is that when I meet my close friend, we're immediately back to that conversation that we had the last time we met. We're already immediately right there. Our friendship is, you know, manifest from the first moment. I think that's the kind of thing he's, he's trying to point to. of analogy that's often used about this is that Zazen expresses the fact of our Buddhahood in the way swimming expresses the fact of being a fish or flying expresses being a bird. A bird doesn't fly in order to become a bird fish doesn't swim in order to become a fish because they're birds and fish they can do these things right it's not a matter of becoming yet if they don't do them they're not birds or fish right but the other thing he wants to say is the one that Gaku continues with this is uh, in here is that if you study sitting Buddha Buddha must be without fixed form. If you want to study sitting Buddha, you must kill Buddha. And if you're attached to the form of sitting, you will not master this principle. 
that this is going on to say that even though Zazen is the quintessential activity of being a Buddha, don't ritualize or fetishize Zazen itself as if that is the whole of our practice, as if it somehow stands apart, apart from the rest of the activities of our life. See, a bird may be a bird to us because it's flying, but a bird also needs to, you know, catch worms, uh, lay eggs, build nests, right? But a bird has a whole life and a whole realm of activity. Uh, and no one of those things may be the thing we say, well, if it builds a nest, it's a bird. If it lays an eggs, it's a bird. The whole thing, the whole uh, behavior, the whole uh, form of life is what makes the bird. And in the same way, we would say that the whole functioning of our life uh, through precepts, through ritual, through practice, how we treat each other, how we conduct our lives day to day, all this is the full form of our life as Buddhists. But Zazen is at the center. It's the, the essence of that activity. See, when we whip the ox, we're not trying harder to concentrate when we sit. We're not trying harder to just put in more hours or attend more sessions, make a greater effort while we're here to get from here to there in some way. We're really settling down in the faith or the understanding but this is it. This is what Buddha looks like. This is what Buddha feels like. Buddha's foot is asleep. Right? We have to have to sit, we have to polish that stone, we have to have the intention of becoming. But all those things are fulfilling themselves right now. They're not fulfilling themselves over time, incrementally. It's not a matter of are we there yet or how we're doing. We sit realizing that this moment is the only moment there is. This life is the only life there is. Sashin and enter our practice with the sense that, that that is the core understanding of what we're about. But there's one point more that I think we have to be careful about. See, I talk a lot about curative fantasies and how we will all have notions of getting rid of our anger, getting rid of our worried thoughts or whatever it is. 
things themselves are are a contaminant, and that we shouldn't have them. That we have to sit without curative fantasies. Then we're just doing another version of of tile polishing, right? We're just kicking it up a meta level of what we're trying to get rid of. Instead of thinking, I've got to get rid of my thoughts. We say, oh, I've got to get rid of all these uh, uh, expectations and curative fantasies. I've got to get rid of all gaining ideas. Right? You just kick the whole process up one level uh, and are trying to extirpate something else. We have to really see that the anger we wish to cure, the loneliness that we wish to cure, the racing thoughts that we wish to cure, they themselves are what's happening this moment. They are the body-mind we have to occupy right now. Shoko always brought us right back to what is, what are you feeling now? What is your whole experience in your body of the tension, the emotion, the longing, the desire? All of those are it. Right? Our fantasies of Buddhahood want to smooth it out, clear it up. But we have to start where we are. And where we are is going to include all these fantasies. So that's where we go back to what Dogen says, think non-thinking. We let them be there, not caught up in the belief content of those thoughts, but seeing them as thoughts, as objects on the table, as part of who we are and what's happening right in this moment. We're not trying to banish them like dust on the mirror either. Think non-thinking is a way to hold and respect and experience whatever is going on in our body-mind. Dogen says, throughout all this, there's an eye that, that maintains the practice, a who that's doing it. We're not going to wipe the slate clean, except in a very stuporous kind of state, which is really a lot easier to achieve with drugs. We don't have to go through all this trouble for that. This is me. This is me.